I'm Hannah Trump, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Powbox, where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. If you didn't know, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Mitigating risk and protecting online data is everyone's responsibility at any organization. Arming yourself and your employees with the knowledge, skill set, and proper tools to reduce cyber attacks is necessary in 2021. Good cybersecurity practices that can easily translate from working in the office or at home to off hours are key. Transparent and easy to use technology coupled with continuous cybersecurity and phishing training are good places to start. But can these security tips and tricks be applied to other areas of business, such as how to face a cyber attack head on or to make an ISO or HIPAA audit easier? The answer is yes, probably. After all, sensitive information is at the core of so many industries, including healthcare. It would make sense that how you approach cybersecurity can also shape how you approach any area in your business where a breach or vulnerability could appear. My guest today is Matt Cooper, cybersecurity and data privacy principal at Vanta, a company that automates security monitoring for compliance certifications. Matt and I discuss what qualities appeal to bad actors, what organizations should look for in an audit partner, and how Vanta proactively approaches cybersecurity. Thank you so much for joining me on Hypocritical today, Matt. Uh, it's Cybersecurity Month. It is October. How does Vanta approach education and proactivity towards cybersecurity and data protection? Well, sure. Uh, great question. Um, so first off, I would say that proactivity is a critical approach to cybersecurity, specifically uh, education. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to dust off an old Ben, ben Franklin quote. Uh, <laughs> An ounce of care is worth a pound of prevention. Definitely. Fully applicable <laughs> in information security. So, uh, yeah, let me just, just say, you know, it's better to be prepared, do the things in advance to prevent that big breach uh, mm-hmm. so you're not spending time on that painful uh, incident response in the middle of the night and huddling with your team on short notice on the 4th of July. Yes, no one wants a 2 a.m. phone call on a holiday, that's for sure. They certainly don't. So what do you think are some qualities that attract cybersecurity threats, obvious and non-obvious ones? Well, so the, the obvious one is, do you have valuable and interesting data? And, you know, let's step back. Everyone's data is valuable and interesting to them mm-hmm. in their own business space. But do you have data that's interesting from like a criminal perspective, right? Um, that's, that's kind of the obvious one. Uh, another one that's sort of obvious is, just complexity in your environment. Do you have a highly complex environment? Do you have a highly complex uh, supply chain or you know network of other companies? Do you have a lot of guests and visitors? You know, so think of something like a hospital, right? It's inherently super complex, and when you have that level of complexity, it's going to be easier to have certain vulnerabilities. So another kind of obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. The the less obvious one that I would say folks should consider is. What is your role in the supply chain and who are your customers or clients? Uh, and even if you don't provide a technical service, you could still be a threat to them. Those are great. Way. Those are great tips. I think I don't think a lot of people think about that. They think about their own personal information, but not the information of a company as a whole. Um, and by now, our listeners know that uh, we just talked about this. Being proactive in InfoSec is really the only thing that you can do at work and at home. What is the number one tip that you bring home with you? So number one, how about don't click it? <laughs> so this is like the opposite of Nike. It's not just do it. It's just don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
if you don't know what you are, you know, receiving, responding to, it seems weird. Just don't be tempted. Don't go there. You know, make them email you a few times and say, hey, why are you opening my email after they call you? Uh, but just don't be that person that clicks on the thing. So that's number one. Um, password reuse. Don't do it. That's bad. Don't use your Facebook password for your bank account, your corporate email, you know, et cetera. Again, basic, but it's hard to do, right? Passwords are a pain. Um, another one that I'm guilty of, saving passwords in the browser. Dang, that's so convenient. It's you know so what I mean? convenient. But, <laughs> you know, you know, one thing I do is I do have, you know, even though you're not supposed to reuse passwords, I have kind of like a garbage account, a garbage password that I do reuse for like low impact sites. It's mm-hmm. just not my bank account, my email, you know, things I care about. Like those are hardened. Those are all unique. But if I'm going to, you know, download some, you know, someone's guitar tab and they're making <laughs> me put in my email and a password, maybe it's just some junk. Exactly. I, um, I have a lot of millennial friends who do that. And I think it is also very popular with Gen Z to have like a junk email just to sign up for stuff so that you don't, there's not that threat there. It's just going to an inbox that you don't monitor. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's some of my main ones. You know, last kind of basic one. Don't you or let your kids, you know, surf sketchy websites from your <laughs> laptop computer. My kid's really into Minecraft. And, you know, the places he has to go to download his mods, etc. I do not want those sites on my computer. Okay. So part of your position as the cybersecurity and data privacy guru at Vanta is to work and vet audit organizations to help improve experiences for all of your customers. What have you found are some green flags and some red flags when choosing an audit partner? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes people come to this with the idea that like, hey, this auditor is good. This auditor is bad. Let's like tease out which is a good one, which is a bad one. Um, so I want to like recontextualize that a little bit and mm-hmm. say, first off, you know, companies need to decide what is important to them. And that's not always the same depending on who you are. Maybe you're, you know, head of compliance, maybe you're the CEO, maybe you're, you know, head of operations or sysadmin, you might have different uh, interests. You know, one person might want to make sure this, this audit's really going to up-level their security. Hey, if they're going through an audit, Let's make sure it has internal value for us, gives us better assurance. You know, another person might just say, you know what, I want a SOC 2 to lubricate the sales process. I don't necessarily care about, you know, getting, you know, uh, pushed by my auditor, so on and so forth. So align internally on what matters to you Mm -hmm. and then make sure you communicate that with the auditor when you're doing that interview and, you know, feel good about their responses, you know, because we... You know, we, we put a lot of folks through SOC 2 and company A can work with auditor A and have a lovely experience and company B works with the same auditor and they have a terrible experience. It's not because the auditor really changed, but the, the company's, uh, you know, their goals, their objectives were not necessarily aligned. So that's one thing. Another thing, just a kind of basic, but communication. I mean, communication is huge in expectation setting. So just make sure you feel good about, is this person responsive to you? Are they telling you what you need to know? Are they setting expectations for you for the process? Um, and then beyond that, personality. Do you like this person? You know, can you work with them? Mm-hmm. Are they annoying to you? You know, think about someone else. What do you think is an essential question that any organization should ask any auditor that they're trying to work with? Sure. Um, one thing that I encourage folks to ask up front uh, is 
you know, here's to, is basically show the auditor, <clears throat> these are the controls that we're planning to go for, for SOC 2. And so do you have any issue with the control design up front? Because the auditor should be able to effectively answer that. That way, when you get into your audit, there's not going to be questions around what controls are you doing? What does your control language look like? You will just be simply auditing the effectiveness of the controls. So I would put that up there up front uh, mm -hmm. to minimize that possibility that something like that comes back to you. And then again, you should ask them the things you care about. What's my timeline? You know, that can be a big one. When, when am I going to get this deliverable? Who needs to be involved from our side? Just what is your like process methodology? And, you know, what am I going to be expected to show? Get the auditor to really set expectations for you and lay out like what you should, you know, be planning for during mm -hmm. the audit. I think that, you know, when, when those are aligned, things go a lot smoother. That's great advice. Uh, all audits are basically the same. You know, you want to have achieved total compliance, uh, no matter what that is. But exposing and fixing security vulnerabilities are just another part of an audit of things that you can fix. But you and I both know that HIPAA is completely different. Uh, Vanta actually just recently launched a HIPAA-compliant automation solution. Can you give us a little bit of background about how the solution came to be? Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, as you know, we, we grew up in the SOC 2 space. And, you know, we've been doing that pretty effectively. And we really looked to the market and to our customer to say, like, what do you need? What do you want? Where is the market need? And uh, for HIPAA in particular, it's challenging because there is no HIPAA certification, right? Mm -hmm. You know, formal yep. certification. You need to be HIPAA certified. And so I think organizations that are, you know, technology companies, they know how to develop their, their product. They don't want to go be a HIPAA compliance expert, and they don't necessarily want to hire a HIPAA compliance expert for you know $275 an hour. And so they just want to know, like, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And they want that punch list. They want that assurance that you know they've done all the things. And so looking to a third-party expert really can give them some comfort just to have a very concrete list of things to punch out. And then at the end, to just know, hey, I did all these things. Uh, my Everything is green. My, my, my tests are passing. I am HIPAA compliant. And now I can go forward and I can say that to customers with confidence and I can have a confidence internally. So I think that was a huge piece of it. Um, you know, every compliance framework is a good fit for, you know, automated monitoring when you're, you know, giving a high level of assurance, checking things all the time. So um, I think those were kind of some of the main things, you know, behind uh, why we chose to, to support HIPAA. Yeah, I think it's a great idea to automate these kind of things because human error is so prevalent. And the more things you can automate, the less chance there is for an employee to mess something up or you to mess something up. So what have you found is the biggest challenge when completing a HIPAA audit versus like an ISO audit? HIPAA audit and ISO audit are actually pretty, I, I find them to be pretty similar. You know, there are a certain, uh, a handful of HIPAA controls, which are like kind of over and above what you have to do for SOC 2, which are more onerous. They're probably familiar to folks that have gone through it. But, you know, if I was going to highlight a couple specific things, logging and monitoring, logging mm -hmm. and monitoring around PHI, and like you have to do it. And probably you have to do it at a level over and above what you're doing for your normal business logging and monitoring. So it's yes. just a very prescriptive thing. Another potential challenge for cloud companies is the records retention, specifically the ill-defined requirement to retain six years of required documentation. Yes. yes. <laughs> and the whole question of, oh, is that my logs? Well, which logs is it? Wait, I'm a cloud company. I have terabytes and terabytes of logs. Do I really have to put those, you know, into storage for six years? So 
teasing that out, coming to like a defensible position can be a challenge. And then the last thing I would say would be um, backups and availability are in scope for HIPAA. And if you weren't doing availability in your stock too, that can be kind of a new control that you really have to work through, you know, specific criteria. Would you agree that it is just smart for any company specifically who has to deal with HIPAA to just move to the cloud because it's easier to keep those six years of data in the cloud versus in a storage room? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to punt on this one and I'm going to say, you know, every company is a unique snowflake. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> while like in general, I kind of say, yeah, maybe yes, but you know, everyone's unique. So you really need to determine it for yourself, your own environment. Um, maybe you own six warehouses and storing papers, no big deal. So great. Keep doing it. My hidden agenda is to get everyone who has to be HIPAA compliant on the cloud. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Well, I'll try to align with your agenda here. Go that's, my, that's my hidden agenda. Um, so after a HIPAA breach, uh, we I usually assume that it's a network server or an email breach because I do our HIPAA breach report every month. And I know that those are, are the two most common attack vectors. And when you look at statements released by companies who have been breached, it's so vague. There's never really any real information. Why do you think that healthcare organizations are so mum about breaches when their breaches affect so many people? They are, they don't, they are embarrassed. It's painful. No one wants to expose what they actually did or didn't do <laughs> that caused the breach. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we didn't patch a nine-month-old vulnerability on like a public-facing server and we got breached. Oosh, not something you want to put out there. So I really think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the other thing is, as you know, uh, you could be breached in certain conditions where it's not a real breach, encryption, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in fairness to these companies, all their consultants are telling them, hey, when you don't, don't, if something happens, don't go out there, you know, telling everyone about it. We need to really do due diligence. We need to make sure legal looks at this. We need to eliminate every possibility that this wasn't a breach before we're going to go out there and say that it was. And then obviously there's all the, you know, ramifications that come with that, other things you have to do. And so, you know, it's, it's a painful and mm-hmm. time consuming, expensive process to deal with a breach. So I, I can see why they're not super forthcoming. <laughs> Uh, how would you suggest a CISO or security officer or even a CEO creates uh, an environment of controlled transparency where customers have information, but they're not, it's not so generic that they're confused, but they're not, you know, we're not giving them too much information at the same time? Honestly, I think the answer here is again, the prevention side is planning for it. So are you doing your tabletop exercise? You know, it's, are you, assume you are going to get breached. And just from a business perspective, you know, hopefully you're not, but like, if this happened, what are you going to do? What are you going to communicate to the customer? And what are you going to do to mitigate their risk, right? That's a big mm-hmm. part of it, um, which the regulator is going to look at and have all that stuff lined up, dialed in, have all of your partners, you know, if you're going to do credit monitoring or whatever it is, like have that all essentially pre-planned so that once you've determined that breach has happened, you already know and you've already thought through how can we make the most, you know, effective communication to the customer that to your point is material, but not alarmist. And then also tell them, hey, this is how we're going to help you at the same time. Plan, plan, plan. Mm -hmm. That's what I would advise. And I think it would be helpful to go back and look at previous companies like SolarWinds or Equifax or Kaseya and see what they put out and the confusion around it from there and see how you can improve. That's my thought, at least. (laughs) 
Only a fool learns from his own mistakes. <laughs> True. Yes, yes. Only a fool. Um, okay, so the last 18 months have been insane. There has been so much change across the world, uh, especially with ransomware. I think ransomware has always been around, but it is very prevalent lately. And human error continues to be the top entryway for bad actors. What do you think we can learn from the past 18 months that we can bring with us into the next 18 months? So the first answer is more things change, more things stay the same. Mm-hmm. You just said it. Human error, the human, the eternal vulnerability, the eternal weakness is your human. And like that's going to continue forever. And so what are we doing around that human control? Um, are we doing one hour of a security awareness video each year? Probably not enough, right? Mm-hmm. And so just, uh, you know, focusing on that education piece and that awareness piece forever. Um, the other thing I think we can, you know, think about when we're talking about the future is humans are madly rushing to put every single possible piece of equipment, clothing, you know, what have you online and network. So we are just massively expanding our attack surface at mm-hmm. the same time. And we have to expect, hey, there's going to be new vulnerabilities. These things aren't secure, new things to hack, you know, et cetera. And um, it's only going to increase and only make sense. As we put more new and novel devices online, uh, you're going to have more attacks. Mm-hmm. I read something that said wife at home Wi-Fi networks used to only have like two or three connected devices. And now they have like 60 devices. So you're right. We're only increasing sure. our attack surface at home and in the office. What are some of the biggest threats that you've seen over the last year? And how have those threats changed how you approach your position at Vanta? So you mentioned it, ransomware, right? Like ransomware has been very painful this year. I've seen it in the real world with customers. Um, I think, you know, as that you know, as those actors gain sophistication, that folks really need to look at what is our vulnerability, you know, to ransomware and like, how are we going to respond to that? Um, what's the status of our, you know, backups and, you know, all, all the various controls that you can put around that. Um, the other one that I saw that really like makes me physically sick is the, the SIM swapping attacks. Specifically, I've seen these in the crypto space mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, folks have an account and you have 2FA, which is such a great control. Yes. And then, you know, your provider essentially gets social engineered. They switch out your phone. They switch out your 2FA. Now you have an account takeover attack. Um, I don't know if you've seen these, but, you know, people are having these crypto mm-hmm. wallets drained up literally yes. millions of dollars. They're con- they're contacting the, the the company and they're like, hey, not our problem. You know, your account got taken over. Like mm-hmm. our controls are good. And sorry, you lost $20 million. Like I just can't even imagine. So that, that to me is a super scary one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a, you know, it's, it's painful just because 2FA is such a good control to now see that kind of the easiest, simplest, most dominant implementation of that via SMS is now at risk, you know, yet again. Um, Would you suggest then that people move from a 2FA authentication via a text message to like a Google Authenticator or an Authenticator app? 100%. Do you think it's better for just everything? Like I have two-factor authentication on my Facebook. Should it be the same thing there? Like anything should move to like an authenticator versus a text? You know, I think it's how much it's it's how much you care about that thing, right? Mm-hmm. So your bank account, like yeah, probably your Facebook, yeah, you know, whatever. How, how much do you care? You know, if your if your professional reputation or your, your mm-hmm. influencer is tied in your business, tied to your Facebook, then yeah, you know, if it's just for fun and pictures of your kids and you know, you can deal with getting locked up for a couple of months, then, you know. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Do what's yeah. appropriate to the risk. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay. So that leads us to uh, my last and final question. It, like I said, it's cybersecurity month. Do you have any final tips for our listeners today? Well, this is more, this is me more toward like the business side of things, right? And maybe not to the end user. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like my, my tips, um, I want to see phishing testing become the norm. Mm-hmm. So I have some, some friends some customers who do extremely sophisticated phishing testing, like on the regular every month. There's, uh, you know, the wall of shame, everyone <laughs> clicks on it. But, you know, this is a very, you know, sophisticated org, 10%, right? Get phished. Just to show people, these things can be extremely mm-hmm. sophisticated. Like literally anyone can fall for it if you're just not paying attention or, you know, you get caught at the wrong moment. And so that folks know in the organization, they're like, they know they will be fished if mm-hmm. only by their own company to just give them that heightened level of awareness uh, and pay attention. Um, you know, beyond that, it's the basics, you know, update your devices. I hope everyone on Mac and iPhone <laughs> has, you know, installed the latest updates. Yes. And, you I know, texted just, my whole just, family today. <laughs> I put it on my Slack yesterday <laughs> for the company. Like, hey, every, everyone take it, you know, do the install. And, uh, you know, beyond that, there's just like a, a whole bunch of the, the, the common controls, if you will. Back to basics, every layer of the security onion, you know, pay attention to it, uh, assess your risk, understand both personally, like where do you, where do you sit in the chain? And, you know, from an organizational standpoint, like where do you sit in the chain? And if you're managing your security well, you know what your problems are. So if you don't think you have any problems or any weaknesses or you don't know what they are, then you have a problem right there because you yeah. probably do. You're wrong. There's always a vulnerability. There's always a patch. There's always some way that you can be more proactive. And if you don't think you can, you're probably already breached. <laughs> Bingo. Not to scare you, but that's probably what it is. I mean, it's a high chance you're probably already breached if you think your cybersecurity is perfect. Uh, well, Matt, thank you again so much for joining me today. I've had an absolute pleasure talking to you and we'll speak soon. Great. Thanks so much, Anna. Head to powbox.com slash blog for all the cybersecurity and HIPAA compliance tips you need. Are you registered to attend our next free Zoom social mixer? Join us on October 28th and we'll send you a complimentary beverage to your door that day. During this event, you'll be able to ask questions about anything InfoSec related while you network with others in the industry. It's completely free to attend. At our most recent event, attendees discussed how to sell a robust cybersecurity stack to the C-suite and how Pawbox is, quote, just like insurance, especially when it comes to email encryption. Please email me at hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at palbox.com to register or submit any topics for this event. Don't forget to add Palbox Secure to your 2022 calendar. This event will take place on March 23rd and 24th at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. Head to palboxsecure.com for more information. As always, you can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on Powbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trump, signing off. <laughs>